Welcome to the Really Useful Podcast. I'm Christian Corley and joining me on this week's show is James Frew. And uh, we are bringing you a special edition of the Really Useful Podcast in which we're talking purely about Facebook and its various security failings, let's call them, Mm. over the past few months. Um, James, how are you doing? Yeah, pretty good. Things are going well. How's things with you? Yes, not bad. I am full on Easter eggs. Oh, I haven't had any yet. I've been saving myself off. Yeah, yeah. Staying away from the chocolate for a bit. Okay. I know I'll end up gorging in a couple of weeks, so. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's so funny. Um, Okay, so yeah, we're going to be talking about Facebook. uh, Because Facebook's been in the news for a number of reasons lately. Um, It's, you know, it's something that everyone uses or... a, a big chunk of people use and it has a massive presence on the internet security wise it's not perfect privacy wise it's not perfect perhaps um reputationally it is decreasing i before we get on to the the, the key topics james do mm. you have you found yourself using facebook less over the past 18 months or so absolutely um I was one of the sort of target demographic for it when it first came out. So I think 2007, I was just finishing uh, sixth form. So that's uh, around 18. And I was going to university and that was pretty much exactly what it was pitched at. I didn't have an account until about 2009, I think. Uh, But then it was spot on exactly aimed at me. It was exactly as it was all taking off, getting really big. Everyone was using it. Everyone was sharing photos there. and then just after university, it started getting a massive, you know, where half the world is using it at this point. And over time, though, I just found myself gradually moving away from it. People were yeah. posting on it less. The news feed was getting cluttered with a bunch of stuff I didn't want to read and didn't care about. Um, and it became harder to keep up with friends and what they were doing. And that was predominantly why I stopped using it as much. And then, of course, over the last year or so, um, there's just been enormous amounts of reasons uh, not to use it. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Uh, you know, th- this might be s- something that is um, you know, something that re- resonates with everyone. But, you know, when you kind of have when you employ, if you work for a large company, and your employee starts making strange decisions or anything, oh, maybe they're just kind of. They're getting a bit too big too quickly or that mm. they're not taking proper stock of what's going on or whatever. So for me, I'd been a little bit unsure about Facebook for a while. But when they hired Nick Clegg. So that's Nick Clegg, the former leader of the Liberal Democrats in the UK. And that's right. uh, he was also the deputy prime minister from 2010 to 2015. That's the fella. When they mm-hmm. hired Nick Clegg into that role, I felt that maybe, you know, there's, 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 you know, both sides need to be diligent about something like that. And it mm-hmm. just seemed like a complete lack of awareness of the wider picture to yeah. me. Um, so that's that's not like, real. I wouldn't say that's my watershed moment, but that's like something that made me think, uh, I think they've got too big too quickly. And, you know, we could be in the middle we could, be, we could be witnessing the, the beginning of the Facebook decline. You know, time will only tell, obviously. We've, we've got a few things to talk about here. Where do you think is the best place to start, James? Um, I think 
it might be best to talk about the Onovo VPN. Okay, yes. I, I don't know if that's how you say it. Onavo, Onovo? Onovo, I, I think, or, an, yeah. or Anavo. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I think this summarizes pretty well how Facebook treats its users. Um, so there was a VPN app. So VPN is a virtual private network. It routes all your traffic through there and ostensibly allows whichever company is running the VPN to see everything you're you're doing on the internet. And that's why it's really important to have a logless VPN because then they can't track you, etc. Um, Facebook did something a bit shady though and purchased this VPN of, on Avo. On, I should really have learned how to say that before this. <laughs> but they purchased on Avo in 2013, didn't tell anyone that it was now Facebook owned and allowed people to continue installing it without overtly saying Facebook will be monitoring everything you do on the internet. Then they then even pivoted it towards teenagers to say like, oh, you should really do it and we'll pay you rewards in referral fees if you install this VPN. And the whole way that they've conducted themselves about this has been very manipulative. It's been clear that they just wanted to get the data at any cost and they didn't really care about your privacy or security when doing it. And given that VPNs are pretty much exclusively used to protect privacy and security, it feels pretty much at odds that they were then essentially deceiving or scamming people through a VPN. Yeah, I mean, that is that is utterly shady. I mean, the, the issue surrounding kind of um, cheap, low reputation VPNs is, you know, none of them have really been caught doing that on that scale, have they? Because they haven't had the muscle to be able to do it in the way that Facebook can. Yeah. And I, I think the... They got caught out a few years ago with an OVO. Again, should really have learned how to say it. But um, they then pivoted it to a market research app. So they would pay you then to mine your data. And just the whole the whole thing around it is just pretty, pretty scammy, I think. And they weren't honest. I think that's probably the biggest thing about it. If it said, this is a Facebook app, you're installing something for Facebook, your data is going to Facebook, people might have had a different relationship with it. But if you think it's nothing to do with them, uh, then the way that you interact with that product is going to be very different. Absolutely. Yeah, it's uh, I mean, it's a bad situation. Unfortunately, it's, it's not the only example of Facebook being shady and underhand and disrespectful to its users. Mm. I think probably the um, the key one from 2019 so far it's only april um is <laughs> facebook admitting uh at the end of march that it has been storing your passwords not james's passwords your passwords dear listener in plain text which is a complete no-no this is i mean if you're gonna you know it is acceptable to store passwords in plain text but only in sort of 1998 yeah you know it's it's 2019 now this this is this is a huge no-no and facebook at the forefront of the majority of things that we do on the internet keeping passwords in a non-secure state this is insane so the plain text thing normally when you create a password and the company stores it they hash it which means yep. they jumble up all the letters and make it kind of hard to read for anybody else who doesn't have the hashing key and Plain text literally just means exactly what you think it means. It's like opening up a document and there is the password. 
It is yeah. not secure at all. It offers no level of security. So if anyone were to get access to that, they've got your password immediately and there's no hassle for them. It's probably one of the worst security failings that uh, a company can really do. Yeah, it's, it's, it's obscene, really. And it was such a staggering amount of people as well. So as with most things, Facebook, we don't have exact numbers, but they reckon that it was somewhere. This was uh, the security researcher Krebs on security uh, quoted a figure between 200 million and 600 million Facebook users. So like it is gigantic amounts of people. Um, and theoretically, if that had ever been leaked, that would have been one of the largest leaks of plain text passwords. And the other difficulty with that is lots of people reuse passwords. So if someone has got your password, they could then use it for your email and your social networking, your banking, wherever you've used it. And that's why it's really important not to use passwords across multiple services as well. Yeah. And I was, go I was go no, go on. I was just going to say the, the other figure we had was that um, so 600 million accounts and more than 220, sorry, more than 20,000 Facebook employees had access to that database. Yeah. So 20,000 people could see your password. And although they all still work for Facebook, um, would you trust 20,000 people? I mean, that is a lot of people. No, to, uh, you wouldn't say wouldn't. you wouldn't say, oh, 20,000 people just come around my house. Uh, I'll leave the door open. Uh, and that's that's effectively what happened here. Yeah. Uh, Facebook says it's fixed these issues and will be notifying everyone whose passwords were stored in this way. They also claim to have found no evidence today that anyone internally abused or improperly accessed them. However, Facebook have not been honest about its uh, internal investigations in the past. So there's no I mean, there's no reason to take anything at face value. But uh, certainly, you know, this company that uh, you upload your photos to and share your big days with and have conversations about politics and your favorite pop groups and mm. sh show, you know, whether you like retro gaming or some sort of adult interest or whatever, why that site would be anywhere trustworthy after everything that it's done so far and then stored your passwords in plain text yep <laughs> which is why it stings a little bit to find out that um, facebook is partnering with the uk newspaper the daily telegraph to have sponsored articles so mm -hmm. you may or may not have heard that journalism is quite a difficult industry at the moment you know there's a lot of money going to ad networks like google and facebook ironically enough and it means that getting paid journalism is quite a tough industry. So many companies now do sponsored posts. And that's where like they write bits of information that are often adverts. Now, we have sponsored posts on our website, but we have editorial independence over them. So a company will pay us, but we get to be honest about what we think of the product or service if we have done one of those posts. But the problem with this Daily Telegraph thing is that it's literally just um propaganda really for facebook yeah. and it's going to come from a very reputable source and people will see it and assume that it is real and if you pay any attention to what's been happening with facebook you know that they are a company that is in a huge mess has tons of scandals and is not using its power of responsibility very well so to then have them pushing propaganda onto us through a newspaper is is uh, reasonably obscene i would say yep yeah, it's, um, it, no, it's not good at all. So they're, they're going to be calling attention to things that they claim they're doing well, like um, online safety and cyberbullying and taking action on those kinds of things, which 
arguably they have made some incredible steps you know they do for the ills that they have caused they do some very impressive things like there's a they, they i can't remember the name of it right now but they'd use um a database for identifying images of abuse for example and that is hugely yeah. powerful because it means there's no interaction with admins so there's no delay if it identifies a picture that's been uploaded that is abusive it'll take it down immediately and i mean that for a site as big as it is that's a very important thing to do so undoubtedly they have done some good things but that doesn't mean that we should only have to hear about them and none of the things that they're doing wrong you know essentially it's turning the daily telegraph into their own personal advert but they'll only say the things that are good about them and none of the bad yeah yeah there's another problem with this as well in the uk as well because we are talking about uk stuff here with the daily telegraph uh now, the, the Telegraph has been one of the newspapers that has reported on uh, anti-Semitism within the Labour Party mm-hmm. uh, and and uh, other related internal issues. A lot of that has taken place on Facebook. Now, how does mm-hmm. how does that affect the Telegraph's ability to report on these issues when yes, it is a right yeah. when it is a right leaning uh, publication reporting on issues on the left wing of British politics independently how is it going to do that accurately and independently when yeah, for, yeah I can't imagine a point in time where there's going to be an article a sponsored post from Facebook saying look at how wonderful we are and then on the other page have oh but Facebook is very bad because of x y and z it's just it's unrealistic yeah, to think that's going absolutely. to happen which yeah. has affected its its uh, journalistic integrity I think yeah great yeah um I mean, maybe maybe they'll limit such articles to the technology pages. I don't know. But, yeah, I don't think that's very likely. Uh, it's probably worth mentioning, um, just harking back to the beginning of our conversation about Facebook, um, that in October 2018, it was announced that Sir Nick Clegg had been hired as a lobbyist and public relations officer in his role as vice president of global affairs and communications at Facebook. And one can only imagine that he has a hand in this deal. Mm. Um, yeah. So yeah, uh, um, I, I'm I'm a kind of a advocate of politicians not getting involved in big business for a duration of time after they've retired. But uh, you know, it happens. Lobbyism happens. It is the state of the world at this moment. The the slightly distressing thing about Nick Clegg was um, around the time of the 2010 election. For anyone that's not in the UK, he was widely praised. And people thought that his party might even win the election because of how he took a progressive stance against lots of topics. And so to see him take what maybe people may view as sort of like backhanded lobbying position at one of the world's most notorious companies <laughs> is uh, is a bit jarring, to say the least. Yeah. Uh, how do you spell integrity, Nick? Um, okay, <laughs> Facebook and users' photos. Um, a few weeks before Christmas, we discovered that there's been a bug in Facebook uh, that was disclosed by Facebook because they're good at disclosing their mistakes um, eventually when they're called out. Uh, a, a bug that uh, affected people who used the Facebook login and granted permission to third-party apps to access their photos um, made um, the photos a bit more widely accessible than they should have been. 
it is said that the bug in question was live between September 13th and September 25th in 2018, when upon which the bug was fixed. But we uh, didn't learn about it until December 2018. Again, uh, you know, things occur. And I think in this case, Facebook did the right thing in detecting it and fixing it pretty quickly. Um, which is not ideal to leave it like nearly three months before mm. informing the world. That's not helpful. We've, you know, we've had cases of leaks in the past where companies have sat on the information for months and months and months, and it's turned out to be quite damaging. Yeah. Um, reputational uh, damage for, for that organization. So I don't know. It just, um, do you use a lot of photos on Facebook or do you, have you previously uploaded photos to Facebook, James? I did. I've actually deleted all of them. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have much data left on the service. So, um, but I, I did used to use it for photos. And yeah. at one point I used it as like a photo album collection yeah. thing. That, that's where I would store them. Yeah. So, um, yeah, this would be pretty bad news to anyone that's using it on a, on a regular basis. The thing that's kind of um, hurtful about this was it is exactly the same thing that they were accused of during the Cambridge Analytica scandal, which um, came out earlier in 2018 which was basically third-party apps were able to access your data in ways that they shouldn't have been. And this was a huge deal last year. And so to have then pretty much the same issue pop up again, while, as Christian said, bugs and things do happen, um, it's a bit jarring to see the same issue happen again just six months after they were widely criticised for having this happen in the first place. Yeah. It is, it is, it is. You know, I wouldn't say it's crazy, but I think by now, listener, uh, you're probably appreciating that um, the state of Facebook isn't great. Now, I um, I would like to stop using Facebook, but unfortunately, I find myself drawn back there from time to time, maybe once a day, just checking things. I've also got relatives spread across the world. So if I want to share photos with them, Facebook is the best way of doing yeah. it. Um, then we've got the issue that a large number of communities abandoned traditional forum mm. moved to Facebook groups, which is where they can well, it's easier for people to access them on Facebook. And, you know, conversations continue. Conversations have gone on for months, years, even since moving from traditional forums. Uh, personally, forums, you know, forums are kind of a heart back to the bulletin board era of the early internet. I, I like forums. I think they're great. They're not perfect. They're a bit weird. They can attract a strange type of person from time to time. But, you know, so can <laughs> Facebook itself. So, you know, that's that's nothing that's nothing unusual. But, you know, Facebook can't deal with how big it is. Then it's going it, to, you know, it has to at some point lose its audience. And that might be because it isn't succeeding successfully dealing with security issues or how big it is and the responsibilities it has but it might also be that younger kids aren't really using facebook are they but then you get into the interesting thing about facebook's size as a business not just the facebook product which is they tend to just buy other apps so as soon as they yeah. see a competition they're now at a position where they are large enough to just go in and take over the competition so we've seen that in two major areas. So Instagram, which is a photo sharing app, 
was gaining traction and they bought it and it's now a Facebook product. And then the same happened to WhatsApp, which is a global communication messaging app, which does that very well. um, But that is now also a Facebook product too. So even if people stop using the main Facebook product, which is increasingly happening, they're moving towards like Instagram is now the most popular social network uh, available, but it's still a Facebook product and it is still Mm. part of Facebook. So they might be losing customers on the, or users on their main product, but I, I don't think they're losing market share overall. Yeah. Yeah. She's probably right. I should think probably if, if, if there does come a time when Facebook is not used, it's probably going to be a combination of factors, isn't it? Of maybe a new technology refusing to be bought, um, a general rejection by the public and, uh, legislation, privacy legislation impacting them or, or advertising problems although you have a couple of things that are going on with this so facebook um can't remember it was a couple of months ago now announced that they're going to unify all of their messaging systems so at the moment you have facebook you have facebook messenger which is also called messenger you have instagram whatsapp and they all operated differently and so they all have different software different servers but Facebook intends to unify them all into one great big interoperative messaging app, effectively. Right. So whether that will make a difference or not, I don't know. Or whether they seem to view their future as an integrated platform of services. So they may even be thinking of retiring the traditional Facebook product. Um, but it, it's unclear exactly what their plans are yet. Whatever their plans are, having everything in one place will make it easier for them to streamline in one area or the other, won't it? Yeah. Yeah. The, the concern for things like that, though, is that WhatsApp was widely praised for implementing end-to-end encryption. So no one can view your messages except you and the person on the other end. And that's a, a wonderful security feature and surprising to have in a Facebook product. But... The idea that Facebook would unify all these systems, they could only really be doing that because it helps them to gather data more effectively, really. So would encryption still stay in WhatsApp or will they just sort of remove encryption and amalgamate it all into one messaging service? I don't don't know. Or it could go the other way and it could be completely positive and they actually end-to-end encrypt everything. So that would be Messenger, Facebook. Like, that would be wonderful if that happened. I can't see it happening, but it's a possibility. No, I can't see it happening either somehow. Okay, Uh, well, everything we've talked about on this week's Really Useful podcast, as ever, can be found in the show notes. Ultimately, um, I mean, time will only tell, but ultimately... You kind of need to draw your own conclusions regarding this and how you're going to use Facebook from now on. If you feel yourself locked into Facebook, then I suppose the best thing to do is to move towards finding ways of unlocking yourself, um, as James has, um, by uh, removing photos or other content um, that's going to drag you back there and finding other ways of uh, communicating with um, friends, families, communities that you're involved with online, I suppose. Uh, there, there are other ways of doing this. There are other social networks. There are social networks that we can set up ourselves, mm-hmm. um, which uh, I will also include in the show notes for this week's 
really useful podcast. Um, before we uh, finish, James, have you got anything to add? So I think that I've been certainly internally on our, our um, Slack discussions. I've been quite anti Facebook for a long time. I find it very difficult to see that a company that's got so big does so much bad. But as you've alluded to a couple of times, not everyone has the choice of whether to use Facebook or not. And I'm in a fortunate position that I know that I don't have to use it, but that's not the same for everybody. And I was once an advocate for the delete Facebook movement. Like I really vehemently believed that Facebook should just collapse and we should all move on from it. But having done some more reading and you can see that not everyone is in a position where they could let that happen. You know, economies have sprung up there, chat groups, forums, support networks, so much stuff that people rely on happens on Facebook. So although it's in a terrible state at the moment, if we keep the attention on it and keep pressure as users on them to change, then maybe one day they will change. And maybe this is actually the push Facebook needed to become a better platform. And maybe some of these issues came about because they grew so quickly. But I think actually overall, I would prefer that Facebook just fixed itself than than collapsed entirely. Okay. Yeah. Can't disagree with that. Okay, so that's the end of this week's really useful podcast. Uh, we're going to take a few weeks off uh, from uh, today. So we'll be back in June. So uh, you enjoy your uh, May break without us. Uh, we'll regroup and we'll be back with you for the summer. Uh, from James Frew and myself, Christian Corley, and from the team at makeyourself.com, uh, goodbye. Goodbye.